0: Welcome to Two Guys in the Bible, uh, Weekly Conversational Theology, Culture, and God's Word. My name is Eric Leupold, and with me, as always, uh, the esteemed uh, Dylan Keniston. Uh, brother, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, brother. How are you? I'm doing excellent, excellent. excellent. So, uh, on this episode coming out after, you know, it's, it's a new year, uh, we kind of want to do a, a new season. Not a new season, kind of like a new series, if you will. A new series on, on idolatry. And uh, for the next uh, several weeks or so, I think maybe you know five or six weeks, we have some topics lined up that uh, I think uh, will fit in with that uh, that theological topic of idolatry. And so, but I think it it might be good uh, to first lay the lay the foundations, lay the baseline from Scripture as to what is idolatry. Wh- you know, why wh- do we use that term? Are we familiar with that term as Christians? Um, If not, why not, you know, and uh, so anyways, I just wanted to uh, kind of open it up by first dropping that question. Um, What is idolatry and and uh, does it exist today?
1: Oh, (laughs) yeah, well, definitely not. No, No, because it's a statue, right? Statue. Yeah. We don't worship statues anymore. Um, well, some, no, people yeah, some, some people might, I suppose. <laughs> um, no, I, I, yeah, absolutely. Idolatry exists today. Um, oh, gosh, what is idolatry in 25 words or less? Um, <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I would say that—so so idolatry, I think, stems from when we— I'll just—we'll we'll start with Exodus 20, right? Yeah. So uh, Exodus 20, uh, verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. So uh, from a very broad lens, idolatry is um, mm. something in your life that, that is usurping the, the role of God or the authority of God or the, the comfort which God brings. Mm-hmm. Um, having something esteemed as God or valued as God instead of God. Um, so it's not necessarily like a, a thing that you worship or like a, an icon um, or a statue. It's not necessarily that. It, it, it could be, um, you know, sometimes I, I'll just tell you a story. I'll jump right into it. Please. I remember there was a night when, you know, I was working late hours and um, I was really discouraged. This was before Brielle was born. Mm. Um, and I was just really, really discouraged. And I thought to myself, but you know what? Like it, I was like, Emily was pregnant at the time. I was like, you know what? At least I'm gonna be a dad. You know, and like I, yes. I, love this idea fatherhood. of like, yeah, Boom. I, legit. Like I loved this idea of like being a dad. But on the drive home after I had that thought, I was like, I was like, man, but like, in when when the chips are down, like, what am I reaching for mm-hmm. as, as a as a as an encouragement and a, as a balm to my soul? Mm. And it was fatherhood, right? So I was like. Am I making an and in the moment? That's what I was doing, right? As I was making an idol out of out of fatherhood. Mm. So that's that's really what I I think it it is. I mean, from kind of a biblical theological framework, I think we see it. You know, really as early as as Genesis one, mm. right? So so, what is human identity? Right? Human identity is is bound up with having been made in the image of God. Yeah. Right. So having been made in the image of God, we are to we are to image God. We are to um, reflect. reflect God yeah. and 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 to in so doing uh, reflect the glory of God across creation mm. right so there's this inversion in idolatry um, it, it's like you're, you're, you' you're there's this inversion of this notion of, of um, not only God's glory but then also uh, human identity yeah. and just and how that gets bound up with anthropology is it runs all the way through scripture I think in what is it Colossians 1. Uh, we, we read that, that Christ as the perfect image of God, right? And so, sanctification being re- go, growing in Christ likeness. And it, as you know, after the fall, you have this image of God having been bent, and then we are restoring that image, having been justified by grace through mm. faith. We are now growing in sanctification, becoming more Christ like, and restoring some of the, the notion of that image. So, idolatry is now taking that vision of who God is. And having that be usurped within our own hearts, and and with respect to how we how we derive a sense of identity uh, from from uh, mm. yeah, I mean, as even as Christians, right? These yeah. are things that we that we struggle with. Like yeah. for example, what I just what I just mentioned, like yeah. fatherhood,
0: identity, or yeah, identity. Yeah. So, so so that that's very helpful. I think that's that's a good point. And and like I said, I, I think this episode will. I mean, I love to talk about practical applications, and we'll, we'll sprinkle them here and here and there throughout. But this will be probably a little bit more uh, scripture heavy, which can't be a bad thing, right? But uh, for, for you know, for always a good our, thing. Always a good <laughs> thing, right? But we're definitely going to hit on some of the big, the uh, big topics there uh, as far as in our lives today. Uh, and you mentioned Exodus, and in that we see idolatry um, from the very beginning hmm. of in Scripture. And I have a, a couple passages. We don't necessarily need to go through all of them because there's a lot. There's, certainly the Lord has a lot to say about idolatry. But there is uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4 is is a big one that that I feel really na- like really explains it well. Uh, it starts in verse 15, and it goes essentially—it keeps going, but it goes beyond 24. But I think 24, verse 24, is a good place to stop. So I'm going to read 15 through 24, and then we can yes. discuss a little bit about what it says. So here it is, Deuteronomy 4, uh, verse 15. Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully, since you saw no form on the day that the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire. Beware, lest you act corruptly by making a carved image for yourselves in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the water under the earth, and beware unless you raise your eyes to heaven, and when you see the sun and the moon and the stars, all the hosts of heaven, you be drawn away and bow down to them and serve them. things that the Lord your God has allotted to all the peoples under the whole heaven, but the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace out of Egypt to be a people of his own inheritance, as you are this day. Furthermore, the Lord was angry with me because of you, and he swore that I should not cross the Jordan and that I should not enter the good land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance, for I must die in this land. I must not go over the Jordan, but you shall go over and take possession of that good land. Take care, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make a carved image, the form of anything that the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. So, you know, it's Moses talking to people of Israel. He, you know, it's clear he's, that it is from Moses because he's mentioning uh, that he himself is not allowed into the land. This is after uh, Moses kind of uh, went beyond what right. God had prescribed him to do, mm-hmm. and he's not allowed to enter the land. But Moses is kind of you know, sending the people off and saying, hey, go in the land here. Which is remarkable, by the way. So yeah. I just want to park on that for a minute. Like yeah. Moses
1: was not allowed into the promised land. Yeah, like Moses, right? Like this dude was it in in like the yeah. old, in the old covenant Old Testament history, like that that he was not so like I don't know, just this Christ as a higher and better uh, Moses. I, that's I true. Know, sorry, just no, that's a good point, moment, by so. the way. That's
0: a very good point. So, but but you know, he starts off with all these carved images and of everything that's under the under the under the earth, and but then but then he goes beyond and says, even an image that you don't make, like even if you just look up and see the stars and the moon and the sky, don't don't worship those things or serve them. And even and it's interesting because he says, because God has given them to all the peoples. Right. Like, that belongs to everybody. That's common grace. That's God's creation. You don't need to worship that. You you belong to God, the Lord Yahweh, who rescued you out of Egypt. So that, uh, you know, I think seems to really spell out in good detail what the idolatry is that that we're talking about.
1: Here. Yeah, I hear that. And, and I think there's a lot. of. So what's neat about this is there's a lot of shared language, I think, between this passage in Deuteronomy 4 with Romans 1. just so, thinking about that. <laughs> yeah. So like you got Romans 1, Go right? For so it, I'm gonna start in verse 18. Yeah. We'll read up to 25. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invi- his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they're without excuse. Okay, so so something about God's eternal power and divine nature are revealed in the things that have been made. The stars. We were just talking about this, yeah. right? They sh- they sh- they shout God's glory. Yeah. So they They're not to be glorified. The but they yeah. shout God's glory. Yeah. Right? So they're without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor. "...him as huh. God, or give thanks to him, but became futile in their thinking, and in their foolish hearts were darkened. Claimed to be wise, they became fools, and ex- and here it is, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images, huh. right, resembling mortal man, and birds, and animals, and creeping things. And therefore God gave them up to their lust of the impurity of their, their hearts to impurity, mm. to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Mm. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator." who is blessed forever. In verse 25, too, like, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature yes. rather than the creator. Yes. There's, this, there's this implicit assumption, right, that, that, like, we are going to worship something. That's right. There's no, there's no... There's no, no question about <laughs> it. Like, human beings are worshipping creatures. They yeah. are. So yeah. it's not a matter of whether you're going to worship. It's a matter of whom or what are you going to worship. That's right. That's the
0: question. Man, that's, right. that's powerful stuff right there. I'm glad you, you brought that up. And, 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 and if you continue reading in Romans, it, it's like this downward spiral. Yeah. God gives them over, gives them over, gives them over, because this exchange is happening, right? I mean, you mentioned they exchanged uh, the truth of God for a lie, mm-hmm. and then they worship the, the creature. The and that lie, that lie goes back to Genesis chapter 3, where Satan says... You know, did God really say? So already he's questioning the Word of God. And he says, you're not going to die if you eat this. You're actually going to become like God. And then they see that, oh, this fruit is is good for food. It's a delight to the eyes. It's beautiful to make one wise, right? And then they they take it and they begin that moment is where it all begins, right? That idolatry where they exchanged the truth of God— for the lie of Satan. That's really what they did because God had given them truth and they swapped it. They said, no, how about the other way around? Yeah, and sometimes I think that that takes form as
1: something that, you know, when, when people typically today think of, you know, an idol or some kind yeah. of carved image, like, you know, b- back to Exodus 20, yeah. if we read verse four, you know, second commandment, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath yeah. or that is in, uh, in the water um, under the earth. Um, and there – I mean, that's definitely a – that's one legitimate, like, per, very tangible application yeah. of this concept. And like here's of, a
0: statue of my like fish. Here's
1: a, well, oh, so, you know, it's crazy. Like So just the other day – this was a couple of weeks ago. I got a uh, buddy of mine uh, that I was driving in his car, and he is um, – he practices, I, I think, Hinduism really? um, and had has a little idol uh, right on his, the dashboard of his oh, vehicle. what? Um, I, I don't know the name of the god. There's Many, what does it look like, many in the system. It was an elephant, I think. Okay. Um, so I, I don't know which one that is, to be honest. But it just struck me. I was like, okay, so th- this still has some um, some application with respect to like this notion of like carving a, a physical image. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't have to be that. There's this notion back to Romans one of like not revering God as God in their hearts. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah it, no, and there's and, and to go along with what you said there about. Idols. I know that you know. Some might say, "Well, are you guys sure." I mean, because idols were back in the day, they were definitely statues. They were definitely images. You know, not so much today. Well, there's a passage that really struck me when I began studying this topic, and it's Ezekiel 14. Hmm. Um, and I'm it's all it's 11 verses. It's from one through 11. And I want you know listen for a repeated phrase, and then and then we'll see how how Ezekiel and the Lord understands this. Starting at verse 1. Then certain of the elders of Israel came to me and sat before me. And the word of the Lord came to me Son of man, these men have taken their idols into their hearts, and set the stumbling block of their iniquity before their faces. Should I indeed let myself be consulted by them? Therefore speak to them, and say to them, Thus says the Lord God Any one of the house of Israel who takes his idols into his heart, and sets the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, and yet comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him as he comes with the multitude of his idols, that I may lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel who are all estranged from me through their idols. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, repent and turn away from your idols and turn away your faces from all your abominations. For any one of the house of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn in Israel who separates himself from me, taking his idols into his heart and putting the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, and yet comes to a prophet to consult me through him, I, the Lord, will answer him myself. And I will set my face against that man. I will make him a sign and a byword and cut him off from the midst of my people. And you shall know that I am the Lord. And if the prophet is deceived and speaks a word... I, the Lord, have deceived that prophet, and I will stretch out my hand against him and will destroy him from the midst of my people Israel, and they shall bear their punishment. The punishment of the prophet and the punishment of the inquirer shall be alike, that the house of Israel may no more go astray from me, nor defile themselves any more with all their transgressions, but that they may be my people, and I may be their God, declares the Lord God. And then that passage is just, it does, Strikes me so much because that mm-hmm. phrase, that repeated phrase, taking his idols into his heart and setting the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face. I mean, yeah, is the concept of idolatry, statues, and images, things like that? But it's way, d- yes, it is, but it's way deeper than that because he's talking about a heart issue. Yeah, he's talking about taking it into your heart. Right. You don't take a physical statue into your heart and like impale yourself, like a you know, I'd be that be, like, weird. Yeah, but the idea is that affection your heart um and that's really what it what it comes down to there
1: yeah so just generally worshiping created things rather than the creator
0: yeah
1: right absolutely. so like and that that has very very broad application yeah um you know so like some some of us and these could be good things by the way right that's true creation is a good thing and you know like um the stars and in, in the sky, like these are a gift from the Lord, food, food right. Exactly. Wine. Like th- these things are a gift from the Lord. Um, but the issue is when, you know, I, I think, what is it, Tim Keller, who said, you know, an idol is when we take a good thing, you make it an ultimate thing. Yeah. Um, it, when it really like, this is a good thing, but it, it takes, it usurps the role of God in your life and in your heart. Um, and that could be a lot of things. And like some of us, you know, for some of us it's, it's our work, Right, we we make an idol out of our, our work. The things that we you know we find a sense of identity. It's coming back to this notion of human identity, you know, being in in the image of God and that the the restoration of that image or the or the or the bending further of that image. Right, when we find our sense of identity, an image in in our work, right, it can become um, it it can become a slave driver to us. It can become mm. a master to us. We give all of the waking hours of our time to it. We live for it, and we. We ultimately, um, you know, if if so that if something goes wrong in your place of work or, you know, God forbid, if you were to get fired from your place of work, you lose your job. It can be not just like economically devastating, but it's a it's a hit to the identity. Yeah. If you if your devotion is to that. Right. Right. Or and work is a good thing. God commands us to work. Same thing with like family or or money or, you know, I mean, pick it right. Like food.
0: All kinds of them. No, that's 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 all. Powerful stuff there. So, a couple uh, as I'm, I'm as I was trying to think through this, and I'm going to throw these out to you and see what you think about this, uh, Dylan, or, or whether I'm on even the right track here. So, so here's the here's the idea. We got the one true God, and then we have right these track, fa- right track. That's right, right track. track. That's I mean, right. right track. Track. And then we got the false gods. Right track. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> a, but here's the thing. So far, so, so good. <laughs> so, so the one true God, he has a law. He he gives a law to his people. Hmm. Okay, and our job is to worship him and serve him. Okay, uh, he speaks, uh, he acts, and, and he reigns. Now, I kind of wonder, like, in the same... Okay, so if we're comparing false god, true god, the question is, do false gods... Uh, you know, certainly, Scripture talks about worshiping and serving false gods. You know, Not to do that, of course. Um, but here's one thing. Do, do idols, do false gods have false gospels? Do they have false laws or evil laws, like a different standard? Like, are they are they the inverse, if you will, of the one true God? They have a false gospel, a false law, and they have they demand sacrifices. I mean, what do you think about that idea of being present?
1: I mean, as a framework, I, w- I would say— I mean, I, maybe somebody could think of a counterexample. I'm not coming up with one right now. I, I mean, that strikes me as generally true. Okay. Uh, I mean, when you have—you you certainly are going to have— um, keep in mind that these like part of what what constitutes idolatry is that the the thing begins to or it could be a thing or it could be a person, whatever it is yeah begins to usurp the the role of of God in your life and and we we begin to pursue it and mm-hmm. and we be, we begin to be molded by it, and and our, we, we start to take on some attributes of it, um, and that mm-hmm. is going to come with expectations, or, mm. you know, when you say law, um, th- you know, the idol is going to have certain expectations with respect to performance yes. or, or with respect to obedience, and there is—without w- Christ, right, without the gospel, if you have some—some— some Some lowercase g God acting as God in your in our lives and in our hearts. Apart from the gospel, there is no atonement. There's Mm. no redemption or or uh, in that right. It's just pure shame and condemnation um, for failure. For for failure exactly. So um, I mean, it's very much, and I think like Scripture uses this language of of slavery, right? Yeah, enslavement to sin. Um, I I don't think that that's like over selling it I, th- I think that's very much what it is
0: yeah and you mentioned um, being made in the image of that false God yes. you know I think there's a there's a psalm maybe 135 I I'll top of my head I'll look it up in a little bit but like uh, you know uh, those who make them will become like them everyone who trusts in them talking about idols those who make them will become like them yeah everyone who trusts in them um, and then another example that uh, really uh, I think is is pretty clear in the Old Testament regarding the the false law or the, or the demands mm-hmm. of the false gods is the worship of, of Moloch mm-hmm. uh, so for those who aren't familiar with with Moloch uh, he's a Canaanite God um, uh, he's a god of I guess you could say fertility and harvest uh, in the in the ancient Near East and so b- by offering sacrifice to this to Moloch you would you would earn blessing you would get a greater harvest you would get more children if you were to serve this God. And here's what, uh, he's, he's, Moloch is mentioned a lot throughout scripture, but I'll mention the, the main passage is Leviticus chapter 20. And, and here's what it says, starting in verse one. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, say to the people of Israel, any one of the people of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn in Israel who gives any of his children to Moloch shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I myself will set my face against that man and will cut him off from among his people because he has given one of his children to Moloch to make my sanctuary unclean and to profane my holy name. And if the people of the land do at all close their eyes to that man when he gives one of his children to Moloch and do not put him to death, then I will set my face against that man and against his clan and will cut them off from among their people, him, and all who follow him in whoring after Moloch. So, uh, uh, you know, question that comes up in the mind is like, wow, that's pretty serious. Okay, so, you know, it's kind of like the question is, okay, Lord, you want them to stone the person who worships Moloch, and you're going to hold people accountable if they don't do it. This is pretty serious. And the, so the question is, why offering himself to Moloch? Well, if you read into it and, and look at other passages and look at some of the ancient Near Eastern culture, um, with Moloch, the requirement was parents would take their— Children, typically their firstborn, and they would pass them through the fire. That's a phrase that's that's used a lot in in the in Old Testament, and essentially burning them alive. Um, and there's evidence to suggest that this happened in a place called Topheth, uh, which is uh, uh, it means uh, I think it means so the Hebrew word for that might have something to do with the drum, like the Valley of Topheth is a Valley of the Drum, where they would they would beat drums or tambourines to drown out the of the children, and uh, later on, that place was known as as Hinnom, uh, the Valley of Hinnom, where we get the word Gehenna. Yeah. So the, the garbage heap outside of Jerusalem was once the place where Moloch was worshipped, and it's interesting how Gehenna is later on in the New Testament referred to also as, as hell, mm. where the worm is not die and the fire is not quenched. So literally, they, it, it was hell where this was happening, and the idea was if, you'd, if you made this sacrifice to Moloch and you essentially killed your firstborn child, you would appease him, Moloch, and you would get a, a greater blessing of more children and great harvests in the future. So it was economic prosperity, economic blessing for that demand, mm-hmm. that sacrifice there. So that's, I guess, an example of the evil law of a false god obligations that that you have to make and then if you make though if you meet those obligations the, the idol promises blessing but of course as you know we christians know we we know those idols can never deliver on those blessings maybe for a time it feels like they do you feel good or you think it might work but yeah it seems like they always fail yeah those idols I know, thoughts on well on yeah that? i mean just like in 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 most present
1: day context, I think a lot of that ties back to, you know, um, whatever we might make of an idol in our own lives. It's like, you know, a lot of times we build up this, um, it could be like a silver bullet or a, or a mountaintop moment. It's like, Mm. if I can just get there, Mm. if I can just accomplish X, (laughs) if I can just, you know, what fill in the blank, everything will fall into place right? Like I, I will be more prosperous. True. I will be more loved. I mean, we might not articulate it that way, yeah. but that's kind of, I'll be, I'll be, su- I'll be seen as successful. If I can just do X, then it'll all work out. I've made it. I've made it. And I mean, y- y- people will tell you, like, I mean, I'm I'm far from any kind of like height of success like that, but like people in certain, like in the financial district and in fi- finance industry, like who've made it really to the top of like, I don't know, like investment banking and stuff like that went up like at, get to the pinnacle of their career and end up hurling themselves off. I mean, that's an extreme example. It is. But but if you take that example and then dial down the extremity of it just a little bit, just be like the feeling that you get of a, maybe a tinge of disappointment when you arrive, quote unquote. That's right. And it's not quite what you thought it would be. That's it's interesting. I mean, you, you wake up in the morning and you're still you. You look at yourself in the mirror and by golly, there's still a wrinkle poking its you know, poking <laughs> it poking out you're at you. You're still smelly. You're still a little smell. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? You're still you at the end of the day. And you're looking for something that is going to satisfy in, in a, in, really in a permanent sense. Um, and yeah. anytime that is found in something or someone or some activity, anything other than Christ. Right. It's like, you know, Christ said, you know, come to me, all you who are thirsty, and you will never be thirsty again. Right. That's, that's the point. Yeah. I mean, right. You, you drink from the well that is Christ, and you just, that is permanent satisfaction because that is the, that is whom we were made for.
0: Yeah. No, that's true, man. And I, I, I think we, we see it in our culture all over the place. Um, uh, there, this, this, you know, I've made it. Um, I'm, um, once I get this job, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's done I, I've struggled you know personally in a, in a, in a, in a lot of ways I, I'll give you I'll give you I'll give you an example personal example and, and my wife will probably laugh when she when she hears this because she's heard this before I've told it before so uh, when I was in pilot training in Mississippi um, how it works there is that there's there, there at least when I was there there were two tracks you are, are, be, are being trained to fly military aircraft now when you graduate, you're either going to go down the track of, uh, of, of, of refueling aircraft, tankers, cargo, or anything like that. Or you're going to go down the track of missiles, bombs, combat aircraft, fighters. So that's really what it comes down to. One that's indirect support of the mission, and one that is like, quote-unquote, the tip of the spear, right? You're actually doing the, 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 the dropping of the weapons, right? And I remember... That I was really concerned in that training that I would not make it to the weapons yeah. track, the pointy nose, the tip of the spear. Yeah. And I remember talking to, to Renee on the phone about it and like really being distraught. Like, I need to make, I need to be, I need to be a combat pilot. Like, yeah. I didn't come here to be a tanker pilot or a cargo pilot, yeah. I didn't come here to be a bus driver. Or to just be a gas, a gas man. Hmm. You know, I came here to, to drop weapons and to shoot missiles and to be the tip of the spear. And it was, you know, looking back on it, it was a very arrogant, uh, but it was just a, a prideful. It was the wrong attitude. It right. was just a poor, attitude. It was an idolatrous, uh, moment right. there. And like right. I was almost, you know, like to, to the point of tears and anxiety yeah. that I wasn't going to make it hmm. to this track, and I would feel worthless if, and, and less than, like, I'm not a real pilot if I don't get this, you know, that identity piece. And yeah. I, you know, I, I really remember that time, it strikes me, and and, and my wife remembers that time, uh, certainly, I told her that story several times, she probably remembers that conversation that I had, but looking back on it now, I'm like, what a, you know, what a silly thing to, yeah. to say, you know, to put my identity... In that, like, really? Rather really? than having,
1: like, a servant's heart that says, Lord, put me where you need me. Put that's, me where you want—or not and, me, but put me where that's you want me.
0: Exactly right. And, well, and you know what's
1: remarkable? Like, I, I have struggled with the same thing, too, and like, in my own history. I remember—and and this is not—I um, I think this is—this is, this happens a lot, I think, in particular— with uh, respect to young men pursuing ministry. Yes. Where where ministry can become, like, an, made an idol of. And I know for me, that, that was really, really hard. Like, you know, I was, you know, pursuing that. And then through different, just not like any kind of, like, problem, but just life circumstances, the way that the Lord orchestrated certain things was just, like, away from that path for a season in my life. And, that, and like, that was hard because I was like, Lord, you did this, you did this. And it seemed like things were going such and such a way. That changed, and and that was like just I just remember, you know I don't know that I like came out and articulated it in quite that way, but like in my heart I I felt, um, like like that had been taken away from from me, and I felt like, resentful almost, you yeah. know. And it's like it's almost like you know I deserve this, yeah. I, I earned I earned this, yeah. Um, but that that's that idolatry kind of creeping in. Um, hmm. so I, I, yeah, I mean I think that there's a lot of us. I mean I think everyone wrestles with this you know coming on being on this side of glory you know we're not yet a glorified state resurrected existence with with the risen lord jesus um you know we in this life will continue to wrestle with you know sin the flesh and the devil and That's while right. we're here you know our heart our hearts are desperately wicked who can understand them yeah. right um and now Christ we are renewed in christ we are justified in Christ, and and now we pursue sanctification to the, the towards the restoration of that image. And over time, those idols do start to weed out of our lives through all kinds of ways yeah. that, that the Lord uses. Um, you know, through his, the, through the word preached, through the word studied, that the Holy Spirit uses to to start peeling back those layers and say, and, and revealing our idols to us. It's like I remember. There was, there was a season in my life where there was just like this one like particular sin I was really, really wrestling with. And I was like, man, if I can just um, overcome this sin, Lord help me overcome this. Sin. And I prayed about it like the Dickens. I was like, it was like, <laughs> this is the thing, right? I was like, this is the thing. And if Lord help me overcome this, and I'm going to be like way better as a Christian. And so what happened was over like, I think it was a period of like a year or so, like I really was delivered from from this particular sin. And then like behind that onion, I was like, Oh man, here's this other thing. Look at me. Look at me. I well, did it. Well, I did it. But then I was like, I realized there was this other like huge sin that I just never realized was there. Yeah. And he showed that to me and I was like, he was like, man, you just begun. You don't know how messed up this heart is of yours. Well, that's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was like, man, Lord, like peel back this onion, but that's the process, right? It, it, it takes time and, and those layers uh, are revealed in us and through the through the aid of the local church and you know family brothers and sisters in Christ in the body kind of speaking into our lives and encouraging us we wrestle with these sins we you know Lord willing gain deliverance over these sins and we will find that there's something more to be done in our hearts that the that God is going to do with us and to us and that's going to continue till we get
0: home to Christ that's true right that's true and and, and sometimes the way God removes those idols is not not pleasant. Not pleasant, Bec- yeah. Because it, it's almost like, and, and I'm not saying this is an exact analogy, but, you know, when, when my children are, let's say, they, have, they get a little bit of, of screen time, Kindle time. Yeah. You know, Amazon Kindle for the, for the children, right? And, I mean, that kind of stuff is, is addicting in a way, mm-hmm. and they like it. And when time's up, you know, and, and you know, I take it from my son, there are, there are times that he throws a tantrum, hmm. and he's, like, very upset, that I removed this thing from him, but, but I did it to teach him self control and to show him, you can't, you can't give your all to this thing. Mm. Like it's not healthy for you to, to dive in. And so sometimes, you know, we we're like, oh Lord, please don't take this from me. And then as soon as you say that, as soon as you say that, you can that, you can pretty much bet that's almost like an idol. Yeah. In, in your heart, it's like, huh? I just pinpointed exactly what he maybe should take away from me. And so that leads me to actually a couple of questions that, you know, let's, you know, try to apply this and, and figure this out. Because like I was a Christian when I was at pilot training. Hmm. I did not discern or recognize my own idolatry in my heart yes. until after the fact, maybe even a couple years after the fact, looking back on it. So as Christians, you know, how, how do we identify, discern, recognize these idols so that... God can deal with them yeah you know what what are some techniques you think
1: yeah you, you know I remember the story that this one pastor told and uh, he he told the story of when he was a teenager and he, he had grown up in a Christian home so he he knew the gospel he had you know accepted Christ and you know he he was talking to his his uh, dad one day who was also a Christian of course had been a Christian for a very long time and he was, he was like dad You know, we go to church every single day, and I feel like it's kind of the same thing over and over again. Like, it's always the same, like, it's the gospel, right? And I love the gospel, but, man, I hear it every—like, I know the gospel, already. Like, give me something hard. Give me something new, fresh, deep. Like, you know, like, he was like, I've already—like, this is old stuff to me. Like, this is easy, right? Like, give me something—and his dad was like, son, it's that way because— we need it to be that way. Like we need the, like tell me the old, old story. We need that old, old, we need that repetition because we are so fickle. We are so easily like moving away from that. Um, Like the moment you, like what gets, um, what gets assumed eventually gets lost. So, so you can't just like assume, Oh, I got that gospel message stuff down. Let's move on to something like, N- don't ever yeah, assume it always true. make you got to make that explicit it's important to do that so in terms of like you know how we how we uh, like we're christians we still wrestle with that practically this is one of the reasons why it's so important to be involved in a local church yeah is that like we are surrounded with people who you know ideally are they know our lives the messiness of our lives like it's not like, oh, man, I got somebody coming over for lunch. Let me go. I got to clean my house and make sure it's spotless before this person sees me. It's like we're putting on a our show? best for them. It's yeah. a show, right? Like, nah, like we're, we're in each other's lives. We see the dirt, and we recognize that we are all sinners, but we're repentant sinners. And mm-hmm. so we call each other to that, and we watch each other's blind spots and each other's backs to maybe identify— uh, potential idols and and problems that maybe we don't necessarily see. And that can come through just like conversation that can come through studying God's word. It can come through the word preached. It can, I mean, the Holy Spirit can use a lot of different, a lot of different ways, a lot of different things to, to do that. But I think at mm-hmm. the end of the day, it's always pointing us back to Christ. It's always pointing us back to the gospel. And the reason that's so important is because that's what satisfies. That's what, that's what, I, that's what, uh, Resolves or heals or or overcomes that idolatry is going back to the cross, back to the cross, mm. again and again and again. Right? That, that's why the, that's why the gospel is central. Like you know, I, I've talked with Christians before who have heard this this notion of like you know Christ says, "Come to me, all you who are thirsty. You know, yeah. I, I'll give you the water of life. You won't thirst again." That's right? right. Come to me, all you who are hungry. You never go hungry. Like Christ satisfies. Right. Mm. And so some will will come and say, but what if Christ doesn't satisfy, right? Like what if maybe you don't have Christ? Well, like, what if I don't, what if I don't feel this, this same sense Mm -hmm. of satisfaction that you're talking about? Mm -hmm. Right. And when that comes up, usually what is happening is um, one of two things, Mm -hmm. right? Either it is us, we have in some way um moved away from 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 christ or or from God and, and God's people or God's word in some way we have in in the rhythm of our lives adjusted like we've fallen out of um, i guess maybe habit uh, mm-hmm. of, of time in God's word or time with God's people yeah um, we've moved we're moving away somehow or it's a season to persevere through and it is easier to persevere when we're talking about it and and sharing it with brothers and sisters yeah. you know in Christ who can encourage us along the way and then model that same uh, satisfaction in Christ for us by like you know th- we ourselves like if we're in a, it doesn't have to be a mentoring relationship or no. there's like a hierarchy yeah. but you go out to lunch with somebody and you're doing a bible study it could be kind of and you're just like man isn't Christ awesome like and you just you 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 pick up things like subconsciously that that are going on and maybe you don't even realize it but like you're 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 seeing someone delight in Christ yeah. right so so take that and contrast it with something like a job okay so Christ satisfies uh-huh. it's it's a vertical satisfaction yes. right and true job right if we if we so if we fail to find satisfaction in Christ could be you know maybe we've we've moved away from Christ in some way or it's this a season with something like a job, if we're not finding satisfaction in a job, the opposite is not true. Where it's like it's not that we've moved away from our pursuit of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that it's like the reason the job isn't satisfying is because we've somehow moved away from it or because it's, you know, it's just a season we need to get through. Yeah. That it's it's horizontal and good and useful but false as a god. Mm. Right? So, like,
0: does that, does that make when sense? When you put it, like it becomes unsatisfying like the job becomes not satisfying when you put it in the place of of God is what you're saying
1: I, like i'm saying if we feel like christ doesn't satisfy uh-huh. there are there are reasons and remedies that apply that do not similarly apply
0: when we find some other idol not satisfying. I see what you're saying. That yeah. makes sense. The reason why the idols don't satisfy is because they are inherently empty. They're inherently empty. And exactly. Empty. And as the Bible would say, they're blind. Yes. They're mute. Yes. They're dumb. They can't see, they can't hear, and they can't talk. It can never be remedied. It can never be. That, that can't
1: be fixed. With respect to Christ, if if like if you're out there as a Christian and you're feeling like there's this season where I, you you feel more of a pull towards something else other than Christ as a as a balm to the soul or as yeah. as as a remedy because you're feeling like Christ isn't satisfying, there are there are remedies for that that do not exist
0: yeah. for. Anything. Exactly. Else. You can't like say, well, my job's not satisfying, I'll find a remedy. Eventually to
1: make it. it will. Eventually, no, it won't. It won't. Right? It's Whereas right. with Christ, it could be we move closer towards Christ. We remember the gospel proclaimed. We we go back to the cross again yeah. and again and again. We have that access yeah. to, to be refreshed in our delight and our hunger for God. Yeah. And we have the community of the local church that God has given us to, to, to reinforce that same refreshment. Right? You pour yourself into into something like work. You'll you'll you won't ever, in a vertical sense, get the same out of it.
0: No, you can't. Uh, yeah, certainly. And that, I think that that fits really well. makes makes good sense there, Dylan. Uh, you know, and and so Christ does satisfy. And if and if you don't think he he does, perhaps there is some sin in your life that needs to get dealt with. It could uh, be. It could be that that way. It it's not be... necessarily
1: always the case. No, no, no. But it. But it. But. It could be, right? It's it's definitely something you want to get plugged in with, you know, brother, a brother or a sister in the Lord who who can talk through that with you, who really knows you. You're not putting on like, you know, spick and span house for for this person or like a show for this person. Like, you know what I mean? Like this person legit knows you and you're 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 able to, you know, really open up to this person. And that person knows the Lord and is walking with the Lord regularly, and is is maybe not in God's grace, wrestling with quite the same thing you are. Yeah, I
0: right? have heard uh, recently one pastor put because because you mentioned before how you know we're all sinners, yeah. we're repentant sinners, we redeem sinners as Christians. Yeah. Um. But it's not like the church has no sinners. Yeah. Like it's absolutely. not full of sinners, right? So it's interesting. I heard a pastor say, "Yeah, the church is full of sinners, and the world is full of sinners." Out, out there is full of sinners, right? What's the difference? The difference is that sin's being dealt with in the church, you know, gospel, God's word. It ain't, it's not being dealt with out there. Right. The culture doesn't deal with sin, not the way as it should be dealt with. Right. So that's the difference. Sin's being dealt with in the church. So let's deal with it. Like that's where you want to be yeah. to deal with idolatry in the church with the local body yeah. of believers there. Amen. Um, and then I I I have have like read even, and even yeah. even like out
1: in the world, like I'm just thinking, what, right when you said that, I don't yeah. know why. What came to mind was uh, that I think it's Michael Jackson. I'm I'm talking to the man in the mirror, I'm gonna like make a change. Oh. It's that song. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, but like how though? Like what what's that change? Like what can you do about that man in the mirror? That's like, true. what what is Nothing. the end? No, like exactly. Like a the end can't of the change day, his spots. You a leper cannot change his spots. That's it, man. Yes. But Christ can. That's and right. that's it. Like Christ is it that can.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, there, and for those who are listening, who maybe want some more resources on idolatry that I think are very helpful, uh, Tim Keller has a good book, Counterfeit Gods. Yeah, that one is very easy to read, very applicable. Uh, he goes through um, questions to ask yourself, like how to you know how to figure out are there any idols or false gods in my life? You know, what do you spend your money on? What do you spend your time thinking about? Um, what is uh, what's your fate? What's your greatest joy? What do you value most in all of your life? Um, and that would be kind of like, you know, what do you go for for satisfaction? When the, when the chips are down, what is your first thing to think about? Like, and, you know, we'll talk about, I, I think, you know, gluttony and food some other time. But it's kind of like when you had a bad day at work and you're just like driving home and you're like, oh, you know, this, this day stunk. But man, I'm getting a pizza. Oh, it's good. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's good. And I I felt that before. Yeah. Like I felt that. Like, like it's like it's been a rough day. I just need X. I deserve I deserve X. I just need X. And I just need this and everything will be better. Right, right. Comfort food, gallon of ice cream. Yeah. Whatever the case. Maybe. Well, I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so that that book from Tim Keller is a great book. And also more of a theological uh, uh book would, would be uh, We Become What We Worship yeah, by, right. by GK by Beale. Beale. Now that's uh, I've read that book it is uh more theological but very good because he he goes through what it means to we become like uh, what we worship. Right. And that whole you become the image of the god mm-hmm. that you worship. Either the true god you become the image of Christ or the false god you become the image of this deaf dumb mute yeah idol there. So and you're not you. You just a second ago. Yeah. You're not saying like that tub of ice cream. You're not saying ice cream is bad, right? No, ice cream can be a wonderful, especially cookie dough, or cookies and cream. Those you know are Love the best. Love cookies and cream. Those are the best. I gotta agree. With All cream other and cream. gods are pitiful. Compared <laughs> to those, those two. No, but yes, if you are, are you? You know, you're just pouring your satisfaction. Your heart is on that thing, and you're giving your heart over to that thing.
1: Yeah, it could be. It could look yeah. like dependency. It also kind of looks like like when we are in. Rest, like when the chips are down. That's right. Now, what do we grasp for? Right. Um, That's that's the question because that is revealing to us um, what's kind of what's behind some of that. What's the dependency behind some of the behaviors that sometimes feel routine that we take for granted, but um, but can can say much of um, just what we you know what we lean on.
0: Exactly right. Exactly right. So as we doesn't mean ice cream's way. bad. No, it doesn't mean cookies and cream, cream, cream bad. for the win. No, yeah, cookies and cream for the win. Right. In the name of Jesus. In the name, but exactly. <laughs> that's right. All things under under, Enjoy the, it under for, the foot for, of Christ.
1: for God's glory, <laughs> and not like forgetting that ultimately, when we're enjoying it, that's enjoying it to God's glory. Yeah.
0: We'll, we'll have to do an episode on gluttony. That'd be fun. Yeah, and uh, drinking. That'd yeah, good yeah. Well, yeah. But in the meantime, as we're closing up this episode, we're going to do a proverb of the day. It's proverb time of the day. It's time for proverb of the day. Proverb of the day. And this time. Uh, Brother Dylan, you, you are in on the, the hot seat, seat. Right? Yeah, but you know, I think this one, you, you know, it's it's the new year. You know, we've had a, we've had you know holiday season, we kind of relaxed maybe a little bit. So I'm gonna take it easy on you on this one. Oh man, maybe you're little, too nice. Oh, uh, too nice. Yeah, should <laughs> be pretty good. But it's Proverbs one uh, seven, one seven. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Yeah. Well, I mean, so so look, at
1: at the end of the day, um, we will not think or live or move and have our being rightly, and by rightly I mean consistently with reality and in and, and, and consistent with with who God has has made us to be in his image, uh, we will not think rightly about who about anything apart from fear of the Lord. And and what we mean here is, is not like, sometimes I don't want to, you don't want to soften that word fear. Like it's not a, it's not a cowering fear in the sense of like, it's not quivering in the sense of like, you know, you you see, uh, you know, God forbid you have somebody who like abuses animals and you got like a rolled up newspaper and the, and the animal kind of quivers underneath that. Yeah. Newspaper. It is. That's, that's not the kind of fear, but it is more than I, I think mere reverence. When I say mere reverence. It almost feels oxymoronic, but it, like it's more than just reverence too. Like there is a, like God is not safe <laughs> in, in, in that sense. You know what I mean? Like he's God. Um. So there is a healthy fear of the Lord. And that is the beginning of, of knowledge is ultimately Seeing God as God, thinking of God as God, and as the, as the fount of all that is true and that can be known, and not to get into, like, how we know things that we know, but, like, at the end of the day, with respect to instruction—like, look, 2 plus 2 is 4,
0: right? Are you sure? Uh,
1: well, anybody's going to tell you 2 no, plus 2 is 4. Not in our
0: culture this yeah, yeah, No, no
1: exactly. But, like, even somebody who's, like, any, any atheist or, uh, you know, somebody who's going to say, yeah, 2 plus 2 is 4. But that— is not a brute fact in the sense of, like, it is a it is a fact independent of what God created. Yeah. Right? It is a God-created fact. And as a God-created fact, it is a God-glorifying fact. So to say, like, you know, 2 plus 2 equals 4, without then going on to, to understand and identify at the root of that, that that fact glorifies God, that there is... There is mathematical law and consistency in this universe that God has created because God is above all and is himself consistent and has himself set the rules in terms of, of natural law, mathematical yeah. law, logical law, uh-huh. and the consistencies within it, yeah. right? like. How can you say that tomorrow you won't wake up and two plus two equals five? Well, you can say that because God is God. <laughs> and God has, deemed it, has, has ordained it to be so. Yeah. Right? So, so, sorry, not that, but so at the end of the day, that's, that's the, the beginning of knowledge is identifying God as God. And mm-hmm. part of that ties mm-hmm. back to the idolatry piece again. When it we does. start to move away from Identifying God as God and recognizing and giving homage to God as God, worshiping God as God, we begin and, and you know I think Romans move, says this too like we become we become darkened in our thinking darkened. we become fools. Yeah. So this tying back to the same language in Proverbs one seven um, that we 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 want to avoid. It's it's possible to be um, th- there are some I don't know if I want to say it this bluntly, but like there are some <laughs> levels of foolishness that that someone has to be very, very highly intelligent to achieve.
0: That's right. Yeah, there are intelligent and people. There yeah. are
1: very intelligent people who, who, who nevertheless believe foolishness apart from fear of the Lord. And so that is really the foundation of all of our thinking, and from whence wisdom yeah. grows and instruction grows. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I would start
0: there. Yeah, awesome, man. No, great, great. Well— Again, thank you for tackling that uh, proverbial challenge there. Well, thank you for the softball. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, but, but it was applicable to the topic Amen. at hand. Yeah, yeah. And so I hope uh, you guys listening out there have been blessed by uh, our opening uh, episode on this series of idolatry. And uh, next week we will, uh, we will begin looking at some practical categories of that, uh, one of which being addiction and, and drugs. And there's many more to follow after that as well There's a lot to say about the topic of idolatry so again thank you for tuning in to uh, two guys in the bible please don't uh, don't forget to uh, to check out our website twoguysinthebible.org the number 2 in front of that and uh, we're definitely looking you know ho- hoping and, and asking that you would uh, review our podcast on iTunes uh, like it that uh, other other sources there because that gets that, in, that improves the search engine results I mean it gets it gets really the message out there a little bit better it pops up in, in the feeds better so you know we're just looking for some good feedback and of course your questions um, and, and don't hesitate to email us at two guys in a podcast at, at gmail.com so again uh, you know thanks again Dylan for a good discussion and we'll see you all again next time all right see you next time